The psychology of happiness. Most people want to be happy. Some have lost the will to live, but the majority of human beings are engaged consciously or unconsciously in actions designed to improve the level of happiness. Sometimes this action can have the opposite effect, or can make us happy in the short term but unhappy in the long term. This is why we're a many definition of happiness, and the concept has changed so much over the centuries. Happiness can be described as very different thing. Short term, your current feelings and emotions such as pleasure, joy, or sadness. This is what you experience here and now. Medium term, your subjective life satisfaction. In a study about how happiness differs across cultures, it was described as the overall appreciation of the one's life as a whole by Ruth Winhoven. Long term, your conscious approach to flourishing as a human being. Aristotle called it a life of virtuous activity in accordance with reason. The first two are probably very familiar to you, so it's the third vision of happiness, the long-term one. I'm most interested in Aristotle coined it eudaimonia in Greek, which is something sometimes translated as human flourishing. Aristotle's philosophy was that because reason, logos, in Greek is unique to human beings, it, the idea goal of human life is the fullest exercise of one's reason. According to Aristotle, it's not enough to be skilled or talented in order to live a good life. To achieve happiness, we must be engaged in activities that are intellectually stimulating and that drive us to excellence. But Aristotle did not miss, dismiss other important dimensions of in one life, such as friends, wealth, and power. In fact, he doubted that we could achieve eudaimonia if we were completely missing one of these crucial aspects. So, for example, he found it hard to imagine a happy life even if you were missing good births good children and beauty. The more modern term, it's hard to conceive being happy if you broke and without any friends. And this is exactly one of the most known theories of happiness in psychology. The pyramid of Maslow is all about self-actualization, esteem, love belonging, safety needs, psychological needs. But this theory feels at all simplistic, at least to me. What are some of the most current theories of happiness? Theories of happiness in psychology. Measuring happiness is hard. First, is happiness objective or su subjective? Is it about how you feel right now or in general? Is it rational? or emotional. Psychologists are still debating this question. To highlight how important this field of research is, there is even a dedicated journal of happiness studies. But there are three main theories towards which many researchers are gravitating 
The Freedom of Choice Theory, according to research by Ronald Ingrahart, a professor and scientist, the extent to which a society allows free choice has a major impact on people's happiness. When their basic needs are met, their degree of happiness depends on how much free choice people have in how they live their life. The Self-Determination Theory Science has found that the ability to make choice without external influence and interference is also an important factor to live a happy life. Intrinsic motivation and the willingness to grow, basically being self-motivated, can determine how happy you are. The Positive Psychology Theory Finally, and this is my favorite one, positive psychology considers that instead of trying to fix things when they get broken, we should spend more time improving our mental well-being in a more positive and proactive way. This theory is backed by a solid research showing that beneficial impact of self-help interventions. I'll talk a bit more about it later in this article. While I find it easy to relate to these theories, it's was not seen that seeking happiness at all costs can also have adverse effects. For example, scientists found that failure to meet overly high expectations can leave you depressed, and research shows that happiness is way less value in Eastern culture than Eastern's Western one. For example, harmony is ranked higher in many non-Western cultures when it comes to the most important goal to pursue in life. To make the world asking ourselves, shouldn't we accept and fully experience all of this range of our emotions, both positive and negative? Wouldn't that make us more human? Could we seek happiness in a more balanced way? A balanced approach to happiness. Sometimes life sucks and sometimes things are fine, but for some reason we still don't feel quite happy. This is why there's more to happiness than comfort, and managing our level of happiness is an art in itself. I'm saying art and not science. Because neuroscience has not made a lot of progress so far when it comes to understanding the biology of happiness. This great paper was published a few years ago and gives an overview of the current state of affairs when it comes to the neuroscience of happiness. In short, we have made a lot of discoveries along the hedonic aspect of happiness. What brings us pressure? We know what part of the brain gets activated when we feel pressure, but the research trying to understand what happens in your brain when we are happy and why is still highly speculative. So, for now, it's psychologists that are leading the dance. Dr. Carol Diane Reef, an American academic and psychologist, has been studying psychological well-being and psychological resilience for decades. Based on her research, she created the six-factor model of psychological well-being, a theory that outlines the key factor to our happiness. Self-acceptance. 
This is about acknowledging and accepting all aspects of yourself, the good and the bad. It's being aware of your strength and weakness and trying to be realistic in the way you assess your own skills and talents. It's the daily work of loving yourself despite your mistakes and imperfections. Autonomy, being independent in the way you think and having confidence in your opinion despite social pressures. It indicates that you are able to make your own choice. Environmental mastery. This means you are feeling in charge. You are able to use opportunity as they arise to address your personal needs. You can manage external factors and activities in your day-to-day -day life. It comes with a feeling of being in control of the situation in which you live. Personal growth. All pillars are equal in this model of happiness, but personal growth is the one I care the most about. I even developed my own personal growth framework. Personal growth is the conscious effort to continue to improve yourself through new experiences and constantly trying to become a better version of yourself. Positive relations with others, friends, families, colleagues. In order to be happy, it's important to have meaningful relationships with others that include reciprocal empathy, affection, and various levels of intimacy. Purpose in life. Finally, this one is a grander factor. Finding meaning is about pursuing goals you deeply care about and creating significance and value in your life. For some people, this is achieved through religion, but you can find your purpose in life through meaningful work, philosophy, or even human connections. This model was developed into a psychological well-being questionnaire used to measure how happy people are be asking them to write statements on a scale from 1 to 6. For example, I think it is important to have new experiences that challenge how you think about yourself and the world. For personal growth, or I like most aspects of my personality for self-acceptance. If you would like to take the test, I have uploaded a PDF that you can check. That is about the Reef Psychological Wellbeing Scale. Teaching and Learning Happiness 20 years ago, Dr. Martin Seligman, one of the founders of Positive Psychology, decided to try to answer this question, can happiness be taught? In an essay which I strongly recommend reading, he explained how the field of psychology mostly focuses on treating conditions such as depression, how would one go about helping people nurture their positive emotions instead. He started running a seminar where he would review the scientific research in positive psychology and also give students a bit of homework that was quite different from what they were used to. When one teacher a traditional seminar on helplessness or depression, there is no exponential homework to assign. Students can't very well be told to be depressed or alcoholic for a week, but in positive psychology, students can be assigned to make a gratitude visit or to transform a boring task by using a signature strength or to give the gift 
of time to someone they care for. Dr. Martin Seriman, psychologist and also, His conclusion was that, where happiness itself cannot be taught, we can master the skills that make us happier. In this seminar, he teaches the skill of disputing unrealistic, catastrophic thought, the skill of savoring and taking mental photographs, the skill of contemplation, the skills of getting in the flow, all the skill of figuring out your key strengths. Gratitude is a skill to leader practice that amplified satisfaction about past, he says. He gives students exercise to teach them how to connect to things larger than their own success and failure. The students learn to mentor younger students, deal with man's search for meaning. He also knows that school curriculum are not culturally designed in a way that teaches students how to live a happy life. While the university go, you go to have an impact on your salary, it makes no difference to your level of happiness later in life, as measured by things such as overall life satisfaction, marital happiness, psychological wellness, not being depressed or not being an alcoholic. This will hopefully change in the future, and it's amazing to imagine a world where students are taught how to take care of their mental wellness.